Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. We are out here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. Typically, Wolf, we're out here day after a game. We're talking to Cliff and all that stuff. Well, that'll be next week, but it'll actually be next, what, Tuesday because they play on Monday night. So. So weird. It, it's very, very strange in the sense that you're coming off a of bye week and what the, the Patriots played on Thursday. So they're not coming off a of bye, but they're coming off a of mini bye. And then you're going to wait all the way till Monday before you actually play. As a player, how different would this week be for you if you were on this team? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's it's interesting because this is the time of year, base and earnings, where a lot of the young guys, the rookies, and maybe the second-year guys, they still haven't gotten used to the length of the NFL season and the 17 games that you actually play, the 18-week regular season, and now over December and into January, of course, they have a tendency of fading a little bit. And yet veterans right now are looking at it, especially coming off a very disappointing season for the Arizona Cardinals. At 4-8 and eight, right now, you got five games left. This is going to be the time of year where veterans that want to be here start campaigning to be here if you know what I mean. They do it on the field, of course, in between the white lines. That's where it matters the most. And they start doing it off the field as well. You, 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 start, you start working in terms of finishing strong because you want the coaches that are here to know. You want the front office to know that you want to be here. And it's not like these guys, once again, have not been playing hard. Don't get me wrong. It's not like suddenly, okay, this is it. I guess we're playing for keeps now. I'm going to play hard over these last five. It's a focus is what it is. It's a focus, a mentality, more than anything else, that you're going to go out there and you're going to do your job and you're going to do it well. It's a focus that typically does not involve a lot of mental errors that might occur out on the field. A focus and intensity level that you're able to bring to bear consistently over these last five games. You're going to get a lot of veterans who will do that right now, especially those who know their contracts are up and want to be here. It's almost like a, a stubbornness, isn't it? Of like, oh, all right, you, we're done. You expect me to be done. You expect me to just be a pushover team here for the last five weeks. And it is, on some level, it's it's still part of the foundation of sports. Of like, no, okay, you think I'm done? I'm going to make sure I ruin your season, New England, or I'm going to do this or that. You can't ruin Denver's season because they're ruining their own season. But <laughs> I, I hear I hear what you're saying. Another close, low-scoring loss I, for them yesterday. Are you going to be kidding <laughs> like, me? What was up Ten to problem? nine? Who loses games in the NFL 10-9 to at this point? Only Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. They've won a game 11-10 and lost a game 10-9. to Unbelievable. And, and that was... Did it shock anybody that that was the lowest scoring game and they found a way to lose? No. Yes. I also think this, Luke, it's very interesting. I think... I think we're going to see veterans that want to go elsewhere. I think they're also going to see this five-game window and show other teams, hey, this is what I got. 
There's going to be a lot of other guys that are out there. Not not some hardcore veterans who got families, so to speak, but some veterans as well that are thinking, you know what? I, I want to go somewhere else. I don't know what's going to happen here. I have no idea. Can you imagine how tumultuous the offseason could possibly be here with the Arizona Cardinals? It could be up and it could be down. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. I think Cliff Kingsbury's going to be fine. I think the organization um, believes that Cliff Kingsbury has what it takes to turn this around right here. But that's thinking is not a guarantee. So I have no idea what might actually transpire here. But I will say that there are going to be veterans that will face this five games, the next five games, as an opportunity to lay down on tape what they want to do for somebody else. Well, I think either way, with what you just said about Cliff, there's going to be changes this offseason. There has to be. You can't go, you know, whatever they end up going. Let's say they finish 6-11 and or whatever. 6-11 and or 7-10. and Let's say they go 2-3 and or 3-2 and in their last five games. You, you, you can't. You can't go into this season with the expe- expectations they had internally. Mm-hmm. I, I know, like I know, when we did the predictions around the station, it, we were all kind of like, "Yeah, they'll probably be about seventh or eighth in the conference." I think that was that was pretty consistent. I think most Cardinals fans were like, "Okay, you know, this should be a playoff team." I don't know if they have what it takes to go. Okay, but internally, their expectations were not, "Hey, we're going to hang out around seventh or eighth. So if they finish this season six and eleven, I can't imagine they go into the off season. They're like, "Well." We had injuries. We'll see you next year. Like, they did have injuries, but you can't go into next season and be like, here's what's going to be different in 2023. We're going to be less injured. Yes. Because you have no control over that. Yes. And you're going to have a long off season to sit there and think about what went wrong and also what can you change. And if you're not going to change your coach, what do they always say? Well, you can't fire everybody, so that's why you fire the coach, right? Yes. If you're going to keep your coach, then I would assume you're going to make a lot of other changes. So, to your point, if you're a guy on this team that either wants to stick around or wants to make sure another team picks him up, these are five big games for you coming up. Yeah, it's interesting because, again, Luke, I think we're going to see a better version of the Arizona Cardinals over the last five games for the reasons I'm talking about. Because whether you want to be here or whether you want to go somewhere else, this is an opportunity. This five game and it, it's it's this five game, this, this nice little window right there that you could say you know what, hey, if I'm a guy that doesn't give a lot, an awful lot, I'm going to give more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to try harder in these last five games because you know what? I, I think I could get a deal. My agent feels like I could get a deal and go elsewhere. So I'm going to show what I can do. You know what I mean? It's this light at the end of the tunnel it's too, not, right? Oh, there's 12 weeks left yeah. in the season. It's like, oh, there's, there's two. There's five yeah. games left. Your season is going to end early by all, by everybody's expectation. It's going to end early. That five-game window gives you perspective and a sense of urgency. And because of that, I think there's going to be a better version of the Cardinals. I just don't think it's going to be a version we're going to see moving into the offseason, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you could, and I think you even did make the case that that game against the Chargers, fourth quarter aside, that game against the Chargers was one of their best of the season. Yeah. It ended with a loss, but it, the first three quarters in terms of the defense playing well and the offense playing well, which we really haven't seen them both do it in tandem much this season. That game against the Chargers, their most recent game, was one of their best of the season. Uh, Alright, we come back. Suns-Mavs tonight. What does Kevin Ray want to see from the Suns when they face Luka? We're going to ask the Suns broadcaster for Valley Sports next. It's Game Day with K-Ray on Arizona Sports, the local sports league.
leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Cash it in from the corner. Wolf and Luke. Brings the boom and catching bodies on his way to the rack. Sons, game day with K-Ray. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for whatever. I'm ready for Suns Mavericks tonight, part two this season. Booker versus Luca and everything that comes along with that. Kevin Ray of Valley Sports joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Kay, what's going on? Happy Monday to you, boys. It, what's it, up, Kay? It does carry a little bit more, doesn't it? When it's when when you see Luca either coming to town or in this case going into to his building. I know the Mavericks are eleven and eleven. I I don't think many people look at them as a as a title contender or anything. But it's still Luca, and it, it, especially with what happened at the end of last year, it just feels like there's a little more of an edge to this game. Yeah, I mean, look, we we can talk, and, and moreover, you know, players could talk about, oh, it's just another regular season game. But it, look, let, let's all be let's all be honest with one another. It, it is not just another regular season game for a variety of reasons. Two of which you mentioned because you got two of the NBA's top players, two guys who have been, you know, their names. Uh, attached to early MVP uh, discussions. And it, look, the one thing that, that Monty Williams and Devin Booker both touched on, you know, in the last couple of days is, you know, the, the Suns came here three times last year in the postseason, and all three times they came away with an L. And that has not happened under Monty Williams and uh, with Devin Booker being together. So I, I think they're looking at this as a way to, you know, to, to start a new type of uh, historical run here in Dallas, where for the longest time the Suns had been dominant. So the Mavericks, of course, two and five in their last seven K. Um, they've stumbled here a little bit, beat the Warriors, I think, as a matter of fact, and the Knicks in that seven game stretch right there. If, based on what you know, where are they struggling? You know, I, I think what you're what you're seeing with this team is one defensively uh, they're still not a great defensive team and look for for all of of Lucas and this kind of goes back to uh, when you guys were on with uh, when when Paulie was sitting in last week and he asked a question if you're starting a team do you start with with Luca or or book and and I, and I said book for a number of reasons um, taking nothing away from Luka Doncic, but what you're seeing, I think, now with the Mavericks is Luka is supremely talented. It's just a matter of how is he making his team better? You know, how are the yeah. Mavericks getting better? Yes, he's putting up some, some gaudy numbers, but are you making your team better? And that's why I would take, you know, a Devin Booker, in that situation because he is making his team better. Now in three to five years, as Luca gets older, maybe that changes. But that's why I, I like the way this, this team is built right now. And I think that's the struggle with the Mavericks is if Luca is not having a monster night, uh, they, they don't really stand much of a chance to win. And it's not like they're able to lean and fall back on their defense. 
and then he's shooting so many shots that guys, I think, just kind of lose kind of touch with the game, and it, it really creates this interesting and, and uh, tough dynamic, I think, for, for Jay Kidd to try to juggle. Talking to Kevin Ray, Bally Sports. Yeah, okay, it's, you know, there's a lot of talk of, and it's early, but Luca is one of the MVP favorites, and it feels like that Russell Westbrook year in Oklahoma City a few years ago was 2016 or 2017, where he was MVP, but the team was, was kind of, you know, up and down. Uh, what, Luca, it doesn't make a lot of sense because he does distribute the ball. Like, I hear what you're saying. He shoots a ton, too. Is it just the roster around him isn't built right, or is there something to, we've seen this in the NBA, where you have a great player, but it doesn't really translate to anything beyond maybe the first or second round in the playoffs. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think there is. I think there's still maybe a a struggle of, of how to how to best utilize all of his skill set and, and his being Lucas, and at the same time maximize the the other pieces you've you've got around him. And, and look, taking nothing away, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is a terrific player. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie has been a, a terrific fit with them. But when you when you look down their down their bench, um, there's just not a lot of guys that make you go, oh wow, we've got it, we've got a you know, concern ourselves with him. Now, Christian Wood was a nice offseason addition. He, he played really well against the Suns in that first game. Uh, I don't know that he's going to be available tonight because uh, he, he was sidelined uh, against the New York uh, due to COVID protocol, so I, it's probably unlikely we'll see him tonight. So it, it, in some ways, it kind of feels like a, uh, a little bit of a, a mishmash of a roster. And I know they've got a lot of people scratching their heads with the signing of Kimba Walker as a backup guard um, and look taking nothing away from Kimba but I'm just not sure how he helps you coming off the bench um, for a team that you know has designs like the Suns do of, of making a deep playoff run. You know I, I know Kevin that going into a game you know who knows what's going to transpire who knows what's going to happen but in regard to DeAndre Ayton and tonight what are your expectations for DA against the Mavs? Well, they, my expectations for DA uh, are tonight what they are and will be every night, which is this is a game, as we talk about their, their lineup, uh, this is a game that he could and should dominate. I, I fully expect uh, J-Kid and the Mavericks to run you know, blitzes, multiple double teams at Devin Booker trying to get the ball out of his hands. Um, and because of that, this is not a, a team in Dallas that has any kind of a rim protector. Now, they've still got JaVale McGee, but JaVale has seen his minutes diminish significantly. Now, will they roll him out there tonight and, and try to put a handcuff on, on DA? They can try, but that didn't last very long in the first meeting. So this is a game to me that presents numerous opportunities for, for DA to hurt them on the offensive end, and they're not a good rebounding team. So this is a game where we could maybe see D.A. flirt with another 2020-type night. Mm -hmm. Talking to Kevin Ray of Bally Sports. Uh, Okay, just because he did play 21 minutes yesterday, and he was a big part of the run a few years ago, and then obviously he was hurt last year. Uh, Dario Saric, I know the game yesterday it got out of hand quickly, so maybe that skews things a little bit, but we got to see him have 17 points, hit four threes. What do you think, ideally, the Suns would like his role to be by the time we get into the second half of the season and head towards the playoffs? Yeah, I, I think... <sighs> 
I don't know, Luke, that there will be a a truly defined role for Dario. And, and I know that sounds harsh, but it, I think that's just the reality of the situation. Um, and in some respects, I, I think it's, you know, what, what three or four of the bench guys have got to, you know, live with and contend with when you're playing on a championship caliber team, some of your roles may not be as clearly defined with the role only being stay ready. Stay ready because you might have to start three games in a row. Uh, stay ready, um, but oh, by the way, you're going to be a DNP four games in a row. Uh, I think with Dario, it really is going to be contingent on the health of the the other guys in front of him, and that's just the the unfortunate, sad reality. But the the plus side guys is Dario is such a pro and uh, just such a class act, and we've seen. He has he has stayed ready and getting a couple starts, getting some rhythm. Uh, I think that he has proven that if you're Monty Williams, you can put him out there, and you're not going to be concerned that he's going to hurt you, that he's going to make mistakes. High basketball IQ, but in terms of a, a super clear role, I just don't know that that there will be one if and when this team is at full strength. So my last question, if you're James Jones, how do you think the campaign experiment has gone? Well, look, I, I think you've got to be extremely pleased. Um, Cam didn't have a big game yesterday, but look, didn't didn't need to. But when you consider uh, what he has been able to do, and I thought Monty, you know, didn't have to, but Monty went out of his way the other day to just talk about how Cam has done such a, a, a great job at getting them into their offense, getting guys set, and just being a more balanced kind of floor general. And I think it's been great for him. And it's certainly uh, been a, a luxury that we all had hoped that the Suns would have. But, you know, we, we had this discussion of the offseason guys, that two guys that really needed to step up after disappointing years last year was Campaign and Landry Shamit. And I think they have both, to this point, answered the call. Kevin Ray, great stuff as always, man. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. You got it, boys. Have a good one. That's Kevin Ray of Bally Sports joining us right there for Game Day with K-Ray. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, the college football playoff is set. No Pac-12 team again, although there is a big name about to join the Pac-12. We'll react to all that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Right, the uh, college football playoff is set. Wolf, was it not the most Pac-12 thing ever to have a Pac-12 championship game on Friday night? Yeah, and I was—it's funny because I was in LA last week. I can tell you, the uh, locals in LA leading up to that game expected USC to lose. I don't think I heard from any of them that were like, "Oh yeah, we got this." They did lose. They did. And once again, the Pac-12 gets nobody in the uh, the the college football playoff, and the door was open this year. Like if USC just wins that game, they walk right in. You gotta be kidding me! There it is, USC sitting there at number four, and Utah, of course, thrashes them again. Again, 
Can you imagine that right there? I totally agree with you. Um, you have a chance to actually be in the college football playoff, and the only thing that kept you from doing that was the Pac-12 championship. Again, man, Utah, it just feels like every year Utah goes through and they're like, no, we're not sending anybody this year. We're going to beat the top team. They just keep beating the top team every year, but they're never quite good enough to go themselves. When they are, then they lose. It's Utah is the great equalizer and the reason the Pac-12 hasn't had a team since, what is it, like 2016 now? Yes. And they haven't had a team in just in the Final Four in forever. So I have to ask you this right now, Luke. When you think of the college football playoff, what are the first couple of thoughts that come to mind in regard to the order? Um, I'm part of me is still waiting for them to move expansion up two years just so they can get Alabama in. That's, that's my first thing. I'm a little surprised TCU didn't drop to four. They did lose their last game, yeah, and, and it didn't have any impact. Like it, I don't think it would have been right to drop them all the way out and put Alabama in. And I get Alabama's probably a better team, but you have to go by what happened over the course of the season. But I'm surprised they didn't at least drop to four. Yeah, you know, once again, uh, I'm not surprised by any of it right here. I think um, I think the powers that be in college football, I think they like the fact that Michigan was going to play TCU. I think they like that. More that, than Michigan-Ohio State, that though? Meant, yeah, yeah, because honestly, to me, it means that they're going to get into the championship game, and I think they want Georgia-Michigan uh, one and two, and I think they're probably going to get that as well. I would agree with you. Plus, you can build the argument, of course, at TCU. Are you kidding me? They, they they were in the game. They came back, could have won the game. Kansas State, who, by the way, is number 11 in our college football rankings, um, they actually, you know what, they won the game fair and square in a very tight contested game that TCU showed. And I get it. I understand, Oliver. Now, I've got no problem with the four teams that got in, but the very first thing you've got to think about is, wow, the Big Ten. Really? The big, two teams yeah. in the yeah, in the college football playoff as opposed to the SEC. They've uh Ohio State and look, I get it. I can already hear Ohio State fan being like, Well, what has ASU done? Um here, here's a disclaimer, okay? Ohio State's better at football than yeah, ASU. Thank you. Now allow me to say what I'm about to Luke say. Luke Lipinski reporting. They um they they have a pretty sweet gig, right? Ohio State played, let's see, nobody all year. <laughs> lost their one tough game, and they get in the playoff. Uh, yeah, they played Notre Dame back in the opener. Okay, cool. Yes. They, I mean, here's here's Ohio. There's a big game against uh, Arkansas State. Uh, they had Toledo, uh, Rutgers, Michigan State wasn't good this year. Iowa, okay, Iowa can't score more than 10. Yes. So if you score 11, you're going to win. Uh, let's see, Northwestern, uh, Maryland. And, and Well, yeah, Maryland's half these. You're right I, just, I mean, it would be nice to be Ohio State, and I get they have built themselves into this, and I get that if you just stacked all the, if, if they had played good teams, they probably would have beaten them. Yes. But I'm just looking at it on, on Selection Sunday being like, Ohio State really played like one tough game. They lost it, and it's a given that they're in the playoff, and they should be. But I'm just saying, like, it would it would be nice to see Ohio State maybe like show up against Georgia. How's yeah, that? that was my first thought right there. Wow, two Big Ten teams getting into the college football playoff. Michigan didn't play that anybody either. Absolutely huge right there. Yet at the same time, I got no problem with Michigan being in. I cannot wait for this because I do believe Michigan is going to beat TCU and I do believe Georgia is going to beat Ohio State in the Peach Bowl and I think we're going to see it man we're going to see Georgia Michigan
again, where you've got talent, you've got skill positions, there's no doubt about that, but both these teams built on the line of scrimmage, and there will be blood. Isn't that right? Jim Harbaugh. Well, we did see that last year, and I understand that a lot of Georgia's team is in the NFL now, but Georgia handled Michigan last year in the playoffs. That's play. true. So I, I, That's true. I just hope we see and some good games. Yet, I think we'd all agree that every year is different. Every year is different. Georgia might be better this year. They might be. I don't think they are. I don't think they're as good um, on both sides of the ball the way that they were, but this is going to be interesting because did you happen to see Michigan get into 14 personnel? Did you happen <laughs> to see Jim Harbaugh with one back and four tight ends lined up. It looked like the stinking wing tee. That's what it was. You know, I, I love the mentality that Jim Harbaugh is bringing back to the Wolverines and to college football. It's it's not all the time, of course, but there is a mentality that he's bringing back and I enjoy it. it it's just funny the way things worked out this year in the Big Ten because it is weird to only see one SEC team. I, I, I I think, I mean, I know they expanded to 12. To me, 8 was perfect. You have your 5 best teams, conference champions, however you want to do that. Throw in a couple wild cards. Um, But either way, you're going with 4. Two of them are in the Big Ten, and I know I just ripped Ohio State's schedule. And and, and look, most of it's just conference stuff. There's nothing they can really do to control that. Michigan didn't play. Michigan played two ranked teams all year. Now, they're undefeated, and they handled Ohio State, and they should be in the... I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the way it worked out this year, if you're going to tell me Michigan's got to play Georgia in the championship, who have I seen Michigan play other than Ohio State? Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, Iowa, that doesn't really do anything for me. Now, they steamrolled everybody, and if they have Blake Corum, I think they have a chance. But I'm still taking Georgia over everybody right now. Yeah, you know what? I, it was so interesting to see Nick Saban, too. Nick Saban, did you happen to notice how many television shows Nick Saban was doing? How many <laughs> interviews? All of a sudden, he, was, he wanted to talk to it everybody. It was unbelievable. Nick Saban, yes. Nick Saban, he was campaigning, man. He was campaigning over the weekend. Was Probably could have got him he on was, this show. He definitely was campaigning and trying to influence the selection committee and and somehow, some way, getting in to the college football playoff with his two losses, you could tell he definitely was doing that. I kind of thought they might sneak in, honestly. So did Nick. Well, yeah. So did Nick. <laughs> this is uh, Heather Dinich yesterday. Why the committee ultimately went with the Frogs over Alabama. How they lost that game mattered in this conversation. And they could, I mean, if you're going to lose the game, you couldn't have done it in a better way in overtime by a field goal. Um, committee Chair Boo Corrigan called it a heroic effort performance by quarterback Max Duggan, putting his team in a position to win that game. But again, it goes back to the regular season win against K-State. And Boo Corrigan talked to me about how the committee appreciated not only the comeback against K-State, but the fact that they wound up winning that game by 10 points. He even talked to me about case or excuse me TCU at Baylor and that fire drill of a field goal. He said they thought that that was the mark of a disciplined, well-coached team to be able to get back on the field and execute that to win that game when you have two losses and you're sitting there on the outside on the bubble. At the end of the day, this was rewarding TCU for a regular season win against what is now the Big 12 champions. Like I, I don't. If you want to give it to TCU based on 
their resume all season. That's fine. They the ranked teams they beat were Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Texas. I mean, they beat some ranked teams, and four of those were four consecutive weeks in October. Yes, they play. If you're a TCU fan, I can only imagine they play such a way where they are down at, at halftime. It seems like every single game. <laughs> it's and, incredible. And they it really back. is, and they did it again. Kansas State. Yeah. Another fourth quarter comeback. But I hope I hope they didn't take them just because it was a close loss. I hate that, right? Because uh, out of one side of your mouth, you're always saying, oh, you don't need to run up the score. It's not about how much you no. win by it. And then you flip it around the other way, and you're like, but it was close, so you're okay. You know what, though? Honestly, I think um, a couple of things matter here. Strength of schedule, I think, does matter. It and should. to your point, right now, you're talking about TCU and what they were able to accomplish. And not only that, the eye test as well. <laughs> the eye test was there. And it's interesting because Max Duggan, I believe, was a big part of that eye test and one of the reasons why they re- they remain number three in the college football playoff ranking. When we come back, the quarterback carousel, which doesn't typically uh, rotate this time of year, might have to because there were a lot of injuries around the league yesterday and one big name might not be so good of a player. Who knows at this point? Uh, he's out there, though. He's available. So how could that shake up the playoff race? We'll get into it next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, in case you uh, missed it earlier today, maybe you're doing like your actual job, not following Carolina Panthers football. I don't know. <laughs> but I am following Carolina Panthers football for the some Panthers. reason. Baker Mayfield's getting waived. He will be available. Now, you might say to yourself, all right, no big deal. Like, who, who wants Baker Mayfield? Well, Wolf, it's funny you should ask. Uh, San Francisco now doesn't have a starting quarterback. Mm. All due respect to Brock Purdy, and he looked good yesterday. Let me see. Does Baker Mayfield actually fit in Kyle Shanahan's offense? Say yes. <laughs> Mel Kuyper Jr. Player Profile. Competitiveness, desire to win, to excel, to lead. The players love him. Coaches love Baker Mayfield. Everything about Baker Mayfield indicates he can be a really good quarterback in the NFL. Super accurate throwing the football, on the move, in the pocket, doesn't matter. Can he be a Drew Brees, Russell Wilson type? We shall see. The antics have to end. He's got to be the CEO of the football team. So he's really got to overcome two things. The lack of ideal height and the fact that he's got to be a professional focused CEO that does everything right on and off the field. All right. Mm. Now, <laughs> stock was higher for Baker Mayfield back then. That was obviously coming out of college. Uh, he has not been good this year, and he was not good yes, last year. I don't fully understand why he is so bad now, and he was so decent a couple years ago. Oh, But Wolf, and I, I want to give credit to Brock Purdy, who went to Perry High School and played pretty well yeah. yesterday. I'm not. I'm not just trying to write that guy off. But San Francisco looks like a like. If you just watch the rest of the team, yeah. To me, it's the Chiefs, the Bills, the Niners, and the Eagles. Yeah. Those are the four teams, and and everybody else is kind of behind a little bit. Um, 
But are you going to do it with a third-string quarterback, or don't you need some experience? <sighs> yeah, yeah, at some point in time, you're going to need a quarterback to win you a game. At some point in time, getting into the postseason, you're going to need a quarterback to go out and win you a game. And you can surround them with great players, and the 49ers certainly have that offensively and defensively right now. I, I was thinking, honestly, I, I, I respect the 49ers. You know that I do. Um, I don't want to say that I love the 49ers. You don't have to because say that. I, I don't. I'll leave. But I can tell you right now that I respect the 49ers and how they play the game of football because this is a physical, physical bunch. And all I could think of was Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Those two guys right there. The best laid plans of mice and men off go awry. And you think about what happened to Trey Lance. And he's done. Now all of a sudden you go to Jimmy G. Jimmy G, who you didn't even want back. And Jimmy G is your quarterback. Now you want Jimmy G. And Jimmy G is done for the year with his broken foot. And now you have to go to Brock Purdy, your third-string quarterback. You have a third-string quarterback that is pulling the strings on this puppet known as the best roster in football. Mr. Irrelevant is now suddenly very relevant, right? Wasn't he the last pick in the draft? Yes. And And now you... <laughs> They're they're gonna. This is gonna be a real interesting team to watch now because even if Brock Purdy goes on to have an amazing career, right? Like, what if? Okay, they found something. This guy's gonna end up being great. It's a tough ask of a guy to step in and win a Super Bowl in his first seven or eight games in the NFL. <laughs> yes. So, we're, San Francisco is gonna be a case study in how far can you go without really having a quarterback. And, and to bring it back to Baker for a second, it's not like I think Baker Mayfield's some amazing quarterback, but you can't go trade for a guy now. The trade deadline's. So the simple fact that Baker Mayfield is out there is kind of odd. Yeah. Just in the sense of you're the 49ers or if you're Baltimore, honestly, today looking around without Lamar Jackson for a little while, but specifically the Niners, you have a Super Bowl caliber team and the last pick in the draft right now is is your quarterback here yeah. and it's December. You may have to add Baker Mayfield, just even if he's going to come in as the backup. Well, ask yourself this right now. Um, what offense do you think Baker Mayfield would fit better in? The 49ers offense or the Ravens offense? Uh, well, they, he fits pretty well for the 49ers. <laughs> exactly fits really right. really well for the 49ers. Exactly right. So you could see Baker Mayfield. And no doubt about it. You could see John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan saying, hey, you know what? We've got to act in Bring in Baker Mayfield. I think that is coming at some point in time. I don't know the particulars of it because it fits like a glove. The need is definitely there with the 49ers, and the opportunity is there for Baker Mayfield. We could see. The, can you imagine? What a can weird you story. What if, in fact, Baker Mayfield somehow, some way, gets the opportunity to lead this team into the postseason and redemption. He doesn't have to lead him. That's the thing. He just, just. What did I say last week about Jimmy Garoppolo? He is the guy in the self-driving car that sits in the passenger seat. He doesn't yes. really drive the car. He just makes sure nothing goes wrong. That's all Baker has to be. He just has to sit there and not mess up too much. Here's the worst part about this for Brock Purdy right now. Five games left and five weeks left. That's just enough 
time for your playoff opponent, whomever that's going to be, to actually get a nice sample size yeah. of who you are, <laughs> where your strength is, and where your weaknesses are. The Rams. That is. Yeah, you're right. If this was week ba- 18, right. okay, maybe he sneaks up on some people in the first couple weeks. You go on a run. The Rams should should pick up Baker just so the 49ers can't. Just be like, okay, our season's <laughs> done, but we're we're going to claim him just so you can't have him. Um, what's okay? You know what? Honestly, it is diabolical. <laughs> just be petty. diabolical. Yet at the same time, I can totally get it. I see that happening. Why would you? Do? We don't want the 49ers to win. Even though, wait, wait a minute, though. Baker Mayfield, listen, once again, though, Baker Mayfield in that offense, he he is Jimmy G ba- for the most Baker part. Baker has won playoff games. With a little games. stink coming out of the side of his neck and not nearly as good looking as Jimmy G, <laughs> apparently. It's, it's going to be a weird spot now because if I give you these three scenarios, Wolf, which one is the most ridiculous to you, okay? Yeah. San Francisco bows out in the first round of the playoffs. Okay. okay. San Francisco gets to the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy, or San Francisco gets to the Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield. They're all ridiculous. (laughs) The bowing out part makes sense to me. Even as good as I know, I know, but stop and think about it. You're going to sit there and you're going to run the ball. That's what you're going to do. The only chance you really have is that you're going to get into power personnel groups and you're going to run the ball and the other team's going to jam up the box, man. They're going to do that. They're going to jam it up and you're hoping to isolate Debo Samuel at some point in time and yet, as I say that, they're probably never going to isolate him or allow you to isolate him and that means Brandon Ayuk is going to be huge, and maybe you can still do it. Maybe you can because your defense is so good, and the defense can turn over and off. Hey, listen, the 49ers, they got a chance. It's just not a big one. Maybe you just go with Brock Purdy. But the thing is, if you then if you don't win the Super Bowl, like you have to win the Super Bowl if you I stick know. with Brock Purdy. Otherwise, people are going to look and say, uh, you just traded for Christian McCaffrey. You've got this defense that's given up seven points total in the last five second halves they've played. The last five weeks, they've given up seven points yeah. total in the second half. Yeah. And you didn't even try and add a quarterback? So if, if you're going to go with Brock Purdy, and I think that'd be a pretty cool story, he better win you a Super Bowl, because <laughs> otherwise you're never going to hear the end of it. Yeah, but if Brock Purdy continues to play like he played yesterday, my goodness, Brock. He looked, he looked good yesterday. Brock Purdy came in there and gave him a chance, a pretty good chance. Uh, I knew you were going to do it. A I, pretty I knew, good chance. I knew about, okay, gonna, yeah. I could see where this was going. Forgive me. Um... He would, look, Jimmy G, not the only quarterback that got hurt yesterday. I mentioned Lamar Jackson. Here's Ian Rappaport on Tua in the same game as Jimmy G. Different situation for Tua Tagovailoa, the Miami Dolphins starting quarterback. He did not finish the game. He's dealing with an ankle injury. Was ruled out pretty late in the game. Seemed like, though, he probably could have been able to come back had this score been a lot closer. I've been listening on the injury report a couple different times. I'd say like a nagging ankle injury. This seems to be uh, somewhat related. I would expect Tua to be fine. I mean, his ankle looked like it was at a 90-degree angle. That's not really a nagging injury. Uh, You know what's amazing about it right now? I've seen guys like this. Tua Tungavailoa, this is a guy that, for whatever reason, is not going to be able to remain healthy. He's just not. He's never going to get to 10 years in the league. I I mean, that's just He's getting hit a lot. I'm not trying. He's getting hit a lot, and he breaks down a lot. And I've seen guys, I've seen this happen to him from time to time, and it, it doesn't bring me 
any joy whatsoever to say it. I just feel that way about Tua. Lamar Jackson is right at that point as well in his career. We all know about the contract situation with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, at some point in time, I'm wondering if this might open his eyes. That was the fear, right? If you if you were rooting for Lamar to get paid, I don't know why specifically you would, as a person, be rooting for that. But, I mean, it was stressful in the offseason. Wolf, you and I talked about it. I don't care how much money Lamar Jackson makes, but it was stressful to watch the guy who gets hit more than any other quarterback sit there and be like, oh, I'll negotiate my own deal after yeah. the season. Like, all right, and now, now he's hurt. So. so it begins for Lamar. And uh, Cincinnati's going to win that division, aren't they? Because Cincinnati's balling. Cincinnati's on a tear. Here we go. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.